And now, Kindlach, we're starting the 14th chapter. And in the last chapter, we heard about the special Shidduch that of the first of the two Shidduchim. The chapter is called the two Shidduchim. So the first one was Reb Moshe took Kaddish to be a son-in-law, to be to marry his daughter Fredel. And Kaddish was a Yasim. His father's name was Reb David, the Mekubal. And his wife, well, she was an Almana, she, and she lived with her son Kaddish. Her name was Tzivya. So who exactly was Kaddish and who was his father? So we know that his father was Reboruch Batlin's brother. And they lived in a place called Eretz Ha'chaim. Now the story of about about uh, about Reb Kaddish. Now we know that Kaddish actually ended up. We're going to soon see later on when we find when Reb Moshe moved away from Poizna. Also, his whole family moved. Also, Kaddish and Kaddish went to live in Vitebsk. So now Reb Baruch didn't know Reb Baruch knew Kaddish, but he didn't he didn't know anything about Kaddish. And Reb Baruch the altar of his father. And Reb Baruch the altar of his father, he found out actually. From his friend Reb Yitzchak Shol, was another whole story about Reb friend Yitzchak Shol. Reb Yitzchak Shol from Dublin Missile, who we, they were they learned and they worked together, and he told them actually a lot of stories about Reb Kaddish. So what was the story about Kaddish, which Reb Baruch was very surprised but also happy to hear? The story of his uncle, um, Reb Kaddish. So Reb Kaddish was the son of Reb David. <coughs> And Reb David, just like his brother Baruch Batlin, was uh, belonged to the camp of the Mukubalim. Camp means like the group, and he was also a town of Rebbe Balshem. But he was very different than his brother Baruch. Reb Baruch lived in the city, and he was a big businessman. Reb David lived not in the city; he lived in a village which was about fifteen miles away from Poizna, far from Poizna, and. Together in that village, him and a bunch another group of Yidin were farmers. They had a little farm, Yiddish farm. These were all Mekubalim. And they went in the way of Kabbalah that they received from their ancestors, their fathers and grandfathers, who came to Poizna many years before from Spain and Portugal. Most of them were Mekubalim. And in those days, there was two kinds of Mekubalim. There was the old Mekubalim and the new Mekubalim. The old Mekubalim which Reb David was one of them, they were Yidin that they separated from the world. They didn't want to live in the city. They wanted to live alone in a little village surrounded by forests. They weren't like Mamish alone alone, but like they didn't, they, they did. They went out, they saw other people, they spoke to other people, but they try as much as they were able to, they tried to stay away. So they would dive in together and chill with other Yidin. But besides for very, very basic connections, they, they didn't really get involved with anyone else. Now, Rabbi Yehobar this is from what I understand, he changed things. He wanted that the Mekubalim should actually go, 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 go out to people and teach other people Kabbalah and teach simple Yidin. So it was a bit of a different style. Rabbi was he changed the, the, the derech of the Mekubalim. Now, Rabbi David... Also was a chassid of Rabbi El Balshem, but Rabbi Baruch would go a lot to Rabbi El Balshem, and David, Rabbi David went only, you know, very rarely. Now Rabbi David and his friends, the farmers, were very, very what famous. Reb. Huh? You know. Rabbi Yoel Balshem, Rabbi Yoel Balshem, Reb. 
Adam Baal Shem and Rabbi Israel Baal Shem. So now Rabbi David and his friends, the farmers, were actually very famous. People knew about them all over in the area. And they didn't even have to go sell their, their things that grew on their farm. Uh, do you guys remember Kelder's farm? Yeah. Right? Kelder's farm, people come to the farm and buy it. So the same thing in, with them. They never had to go sell their, their things that they grew on their farm, their fruits and vegetables, their wheat. They, they also had wool. They had sheep and they would cut, cut the wool. They didn't have to bring it to the other cities. Actually, they had customers who were the same customers who kept coming again and again. They would come to the village and buy the schayra. And there was an interesting story that one time, about 10 years after the, the farm was set up. What? Yeah, I'm saying now. And a certain soicher, a certain businessman came from Prague and he came to the people of the village. And this village was called Eretz Chaim, the land of life. And he said... We already People, said that word already. Right, we said that word, Eretz yeah, We mentioned it in the last chapter. And he said, I want to buy, I want to make a deal with you. I'm going to give you a lot of money, a big price, oh. the rich man from Prague. And you'll sell me everything that grows and you know, everything in your farm. You'll sell just to me and I'll pay you extra money. So all the Mekubalim of the village of Eretz gathered in a, for a special meeting to, to listen, to decide if they're going to accept the offer. And they had an argument. One, some people said, some people said, no, we shouldn't do this deal because there's a bunch of smaller businessmen, and they buy our stuff and they sell it and they make money. They make their parnasa from us. And others said, look, this is, uh, you know, it's much easier. We don't have to deal with a lot of buying and selling. We just work and sell it to one person, and that's it. And there was a big argument. So in the end. Who decided what to do? It was the Skenim, the older people of the of the village, um, and the two Melamdim that that lived in the village who teach the Kindelach of the village Torah. And they decided that we shouldn't take on, we shouldn't take this deal, even though it sounds very exciting. Because there's other, there's it's going to affect, it's going to hurt the parnasa of other yidden, the small seichrim, the small merchants. But people were wondering why? Why, why did the, the man from Prague wanna wanna do this deal? Why did he wanna do this deal to buy and to pay so well for all the produce, all the things that come from the Eretz Chaim farm? And people found out a little bit later the reason. Turns out that all around Pozna and all even far, even all the way to Prague, everyone knew that Eretz Chaim's fruit and produce has a very good mazel, has a blessing, has a bracha. They knew, people. there was like this rumor going around from, from mouth to ear, people were telling each other, and it spread around all over, that anything that comes from Eretz HaChaim gives a person a tzlacha. And, for example, there's one story, a miracle story that people would say, there was a yid called Reperetz. Reperetz was a mashke maker. Reperetz the mashke maker. Mashka is made from grain and from potatoes. And people were going were saying that that the mashke that the parrots buys from the, from the grain and the potatoes that he buys from Eretz Chaim, he manages to make four or five times as much as mashka as he would make from regular 
grain. Not only did he make more, the mashka that came out from Eretz Achayim's fruit and uh, grain and potatoes was much, much tastier than the regu- regular mashka. Another story that was going around was about a Yid called Shimin, the storekeeper. Shimin, the storekeeper, would buy wool and, and, and cotton and linen from Eretz Achayim, and he became rich from selling the clothing that he made from, or the threads that he made from that wool. So when the story, the now these stories got around, because, partially because of the years from Prague, people all in Poizna all heard about you know, these stories, and they came running to Eretz Achayim, they all wanted to buy it. And they said they were ready to pay more and extra because they know, you know, if I buy a pound of potatoes from Eretz Achayim, it's like I'm buying five pounds, of, five pounds of potatoes, right? And not just stam, good potatoes. But, and the Mekubalim could have, could have easily made a lot of money, but they were Mekubalim, which means they, 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 their main goal in life was to serve Hashem. They weren't looking to get rich. And they said, no, we're not going to sell it to you. We're keep selling it to our regular customers. There's regular people that come to us the whole time. They're, they, they, they come first, and they're going to get to buy it from us. Now, there was another businessman. He was from Poizna. And he thought of a trick. He said, oh, you know what? Let me make a deal. He went ahead, and he bought... A big piece of land right next to Eretz Achayim. And he told the Mekubalim, let me make a deal with you. I am going to, you you guys will, I'm giving you this land. You can do whatever you want with it. Work, make, plant, whatever you want to plant in it. And, um, and everything that grows is yours. And you're just going to give me a few percent from what you sell. Let's say 5% or 10%, whatever. Um, you'll you'll pay me because he was sure that they're gonna make a lot of money, but they refused. They said no, we we're gonna do our own thing. We're not we're not looking to get extra rich. Now, like you mentioned before, in in, in the village in Eretz Achaim, there was two Malamdim. One of his name was Reb Naftali, who would teach. He was the Alavez Rebbe. He would teach, like the first grade, he would teach the kids how to read, and little Chumash. And there was another Malamid called Reb and he would teach the kids Gemara. Then there was, besides those two Malamdim, there was a youth called the Rabbi Yaakov Kapil, the old man, the altar Rabbi Yaakov Kapil. Rabbi Yaakov Kapil? Not Kapil, Kapil. A little bit different name. Yaakov Kapil, his, he would, the older, the Bachrim, the older boys, he would give, he would say a shir for them in Gemara. Then all three were Mkubalim, Talmudim of, of Rabbi Yaakov Shem from Zamuch. Now, they didn't know, the, kin, the, the boys didn't learn Kabbalah, until they were 18. But the Malamdim would, would, didn't teach them actually Kabbalah, but they, they made the, prepared them for learning Kabbalah. And if you remember, we had the story of a Baruch from Yajin. So also he had a similar, similar idea. He was a, he was a, he was a, he was a talent of Rabbadon Balshem, I think, right? Yeah, it was all three. So he also, he, he also did a similar thing. He had a yeshiva. He didn't actually teach Kabbalah, because if you teach Kabbalah in Slutsk, they would go crazy. But the Talmudim, he taught them how to respect Kabbalah. He, he, he like, prepared them for it. So they would put the spirit, they would, they would 
how how was it? How how did they prepare them? They would they would teach them a lot of stories of Chazal, and they would they would they they focused on not only teaching them how to learn, well, but also how to have good midas and such a person who who has respect for Chazal and 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 has good midas when it come when he's someone that that later on could learn Kabbalah, and for example, this started when the kindle were very little they were learning olive base, but. Naftali, the Aleph Beis Rabbi, the Aleph Beis Mulamid, when he would teach the kids the Oisius, he would right away teach them Kabbalah. How? He would tell them, Kindlach, you should know the Oisius of the Aleph Beis are Halika Oisius. The letters themselves are holy. That's something that's Kabbalah. It's not only Kabbalah, it's, it's, that's the Torah, that's like, that's, that's Torah, but, but in Kabbalah we, 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 we emphasize that some, a lot. And Rabbi Maftala the Malamud would say, My Kadashim, Shefalach. He would say, You are learning the Aleph Beis, the same Halika letters with which Hashem created the world, and Hashem gave us the Torah with these Halika letters through Moshe Rabbeinu, his servant. And Rabbi Shimon, the Gemara Malamud, did a similar thing. He would teach the kids how to learn Gemara. Gemara is not Kabbalah, right? But Rabbi Shimon would always tell the children, You should know that when you say Torah, you say something or one of the Tanam and Amiraim, you're actually making his lips move in the caver when he's saying it also. And the Shama has a lot of Gishmak in Ganeidin when you when we learn his Torah. And that's why Chazal tells us that when we say something in the name of a Chacham, of a Tana, an Amir, a Tzadik, you have to see it as if he's standing You have to see it as if he's standing in front of us. Like for example when you say to Hillen Very good. And Abdav Melech had a lot of nachas, like that's in the story that we have, the, the Geula dance of Dav Melech. Why does Dav Melech want to dance with those Yidin? Because they're saying his Tehillim, they're making him a lot of nachas. And that's why Rabbi Shimon the Gemara Malamid would say, yeah, when we learn, we have to imagine as if the Chachamim are standing right in front of us. The Helika Tanoim and Helika. So this, this, this was Eretz Achayim, and Rabbi Kaddish was born over here. We'll soon talk about it. And in, in New York? In New York, in Poison. Is it over here? Over in in, in Erzachaim. It's over here. And this is where Kaddish was born. Now Mirtashem, we're gonna stop now, but we're gonna continue the next chapter a little bit more about Reb David himself. We, we just spoke about why the does, village that he lived. And Mirtashem will continue, we're gonna why that's gonna be in the next chapter. And um, and he was, and this is where Rabbi David lived, and also where Rabbi Kaddish was born, and the Mitzvah will continue in the next chapter.